Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. As some of you know, our beloved Michelle Slater died four days ago. An important member of our community for many, many years. So now she's right behind my shoulder on the altar. In the picture that she left for us, she said with a note, for when the time comes. It's a very serious picture of her actually, which is not my image of her. (laughs) Deeply eccentric, deeply herself. passionate and devoted to the Sangha, showing up all the time and serving freely. She was such an inspiration to me in the way that she showed her devotion to the Sangha. She wasn't interested in doing things right but she was really interested in fully participating. She had a quote on her blog from Charlie Chaplin, who she loved very much. And uh, it said, failure is unimportant. It takes courage to make a fool of yourself. I feel like that she really did that wholeheartedly often the last person to leave the zendo after staying the clean. Make sure everything was put away. Often preparing things over the weekend for the sangha, like putting grapes in rose water. Because she thought it was extra delicious for everybody. That kind of thoughtfulness. I remember her telling me that she had been in many communities, but never one that was so loving, so open. I encourage you to find her blog. She has two blogs. One is called Ms. Continuing Uncertainty. I love that name. And then a lesser used blog of hers that's called Ms. Uncertainty Principles. She was not so interested in certainty.
This is one of the, the last things that she wrote on her blog. In the evening, this was just last week, I sat with my Sangha via Zoom. After the Heart Sutra and dedications, we did a sort of council session. Each participant gets one to three minutes to share what concerns them about how the Dharma is aiding them in being with that. A few takeaways. I can just, I can nearly hear her voice. One, refuge is everywhere. Two, change perspective to others also suffering. Three, don't separate from even those that disagree with you. Four, when everything is unraveling, be a student, not a victim. And then down in the bottom of the blog, um, she talked about the joy of hearing Chodo read Wendell Berry's piece of wild things. And then at the very end, it said, nothing lost, nothing gained. Peace in the valley of my heart. Tomorrow is another day, probably. Michelle. Be hard to actually experience our Zendo and Zoom without experiencing Michelle in her mysterious lighting, often in the middle of Zazen, getting up to do lots of other things like cook something or who knows what. And yet always there. Her steadfastness continues to be an inspiration to me. So in the spirit of her, I wanted to offer two other teachings in honor of her. Dogen says that after all the preparations for the meal are complete, clean up thoroughly, putting everything back where it ought to be. That was something that she did all the time. I never saw her like stroll out of the zendo. She would always be like wiping things down, taking care of making sure nothing was even left in the dish rack. Put it back. So inspiring. Mm -hmm. 
He says, when the drum sounds and the bell rings, both morning and evening, be sure not to miss Zazen, nor going to see the master to receive his teaching. I love this because often, you know, in the, in a monastery, you know, the cook has a lot to do. And it'll be easy to be like, ah, I'll miss a period of zazen. And actually, we could just do that all the time, not even in a monastery. Many of you ever say, I'll miss this period of zazen. One person. The rest of you always showing up. Thank you, Lex, for being there. <laughs> Be sure not to miss it. Those of you who follow Michelle's, you know, blogs and different things, you see that throughout the day she was just always noticing things taking pictures outside her window of her fire escape and what was going on on that fire escape. It always felt like this incredible mystery. What was going on in front of her building? Not much that she would miss. And to me, one of the things that was moving, because, you know, Dogen says, and go see the master receive his teaching, is that her connection to Chodo. It's really moving. She loved him so much. And it was so clear that he would be her healthcare proxy. Really, she wanted him to be the one who would care for her, make those decisions. She loved his teaching, his irreverence, his humor. It's almost like she gobbled it up. And then Dogen says, when you return to your room, so go to Zazen, go to your, go to hear the teachings. And he says, shut your eyes and count the number of people in the Soto, in the meditation hall. I love that. So you go to your room and just close your eyes and can you recall each person? in your community. There's something so beautiful about that internalizing. Close your eyes and count them. Because you'd have to see in a way each person's face. 
when you think you're alone in your room. And then he says, and don't forget the elder priests and the retired monks. Include those in the infirmary or any other elderly people. In addition to those, any monks who are on leave and others who may have just arrived but not yet living fully within the communities, all of them should be taken into account. What a beautiful example for Sangha practice. To kind of take refuge in Sangha. Not just the people you see regularly. But everybody the elderly who we don't see as often or the people who are new that we don't see as often. How do we keep the, all of them? So you're closing your eyes and Dogen's asking you to keep them all in your mind. What a beautiful practice. It's sweet to even think about our Zoom Sangha here and how all of you have become quite, like we've just kind of like a regular crew. And then there are some who come sometimes. He says, when you know the exact number in the community, then calculate the amount of food to be cooked. So only when you know really the, the breadth of the community, that's when you know what kind of nourishment needs to be cooked. Michelle always brought extra things just in case extra people showed up. <laughs> she was a big fan of those grapes as well as strange pickles. <laughs> she used to bring me jars of these strange pickles as like a bonus. <laughs> Mayu and Nanquan and another monk went traveling to Mount Jing. On the way, they encountered an old woman shopkeeper. They asked her, what's the way to Mount Jing? She said, just go straight ahead. Mayu said, is there water ahead that is too deep to pass through? The old woman said, it won't even soak your feet. Mayu said, the rice paddy on the upper terrace is very good. 
the rice paddy on the lower level, not so good. The old woman said, it's all been eaten by crabs. Mayu said, the grain is fragrant. The old woman said, there is no smell. Mayu said, where do you live? The old woman said, right here. The three monks went into the woman's shop. She boiled a pot of tea and set out three cups. When there, she said, if you masters have pervasive spiritual knowledge, then drink some tea. The three monks looked surprised and at each other. And then the old woman said, look at this old crone shown her pervasive spirit. She grabbed the cups, knocked over the teapot and left. So Mayu and Nanquan and the probably one of their or kind of actually became famous Zen teachers later on, <laughs> maybe inspired by this woman. I love this story so much. There's tons of these kinds of stories about these monks being just kind of full of themselves, full of ideas full of difference, full of not looking directly at what they're actually experiencing. Not being really intimate. So this Koan has a series of these challenges where this woman is trying to get them just to like, are you here or what? And they ask her, what's the way to Mount Jing? She's like, just go straight ahead. What's the way to your whatever it is? Doesn't matter. Mayu says, is there water ahead that's too deep to pass through? Is it going to be hard? And she says, it won't soak your feet. I always wonder like what she was referring to. But sometimes, you know, I know myself and I'm so caught in ideas of things, oh, it's going to be hard. Maybe it's going to be hard. I'm not even in the experience at all. 
And then I bring that into the experience, like, oh, this is going to be hard. And I'm not even there. So I always kind of think that that's what she's pointing to. Like, you're not going to even soak your feet. You're not going to even, like, feel the water in the midst of the water. You're just going to be kind of, you know, assessing it. And Mayu says, the rice paddy on the upper terrace is good. The rice paddy on the lower terrace, not so good. <laughs> the old woman said, it's all been eaten by crabs. The upper and the lower. So, you know, Mayu again is like going into that world of difference. I like this and not like that. I like this politician, not that politician. I like this polarity, not that polarity. All beneath by crabs, all of it. <laughs> I love that. She's spunky, this lady. She's got a lot of spirit. And she keeps trying to like, it's like she's trying to whack them with a stick, but they're not quite getting it. It reminds me so much of Michelle because Michelle could be a real pain in the ass and like and really, you know, very difficult too, you know, and she would kind of just so much do things her own way. It was kind of irritating, you know, and at moments. And it was so great because it would just also push your buttons to so much, at least me. And uh, and she didn't care. She cared about you, but she didn't care about, she wanted to be seen and experienced as who she was. She had no time for tightness. She reminds me so much of this old woman. It's all been eaten by crabs. <laughs> I can totally picture her doing that. And then Mayu, he's, in a, he's going strong in his own way. The grain is fragrant. Mm. She said, there's no smell. Phone is ringing. Interesting. Is 
But it's just so interesting to me, like how Mayu is like holding on. He like wants something to be something. Really does. The grain is fragrant. Life is so beautiful. Life is terrible. Either way. It's like no smell. No, he's not very, you know, present, this Mayu. And it says, where do you live, old woman? She said, I live right here. Then the three monks go into the woman's shop. She boils a pot of tea and set out the three cups. And she said, if you masters have pervasive spiritual knowledge, then drink some tea. Pervasive spiritual knowledge. And they are all hesitating. Like, ooh. To me, the beauty of pervasive spiritual knowledge is the kind of a, it's like just being completely in your experience while you're experiencing it. Michelle once like came up to me and said, you know, you know what? Most people don't know how cool this place is. They don't really get it. She's like, I've been around and I get it. <laughs> the pervasive spirit, right? to me is the one that is deeply connected to the experiencing of moment by moment. So rightly so, she kicks them out. She was at home in the wildness of her life. being soaked or not soaked or eating the world eaten by crabs or not, she was there. So I wanna close with a poem that was actually one that she and I last spoke about. We used to write to each other. And this was just one of her favorite poems of late. It's by Marie Howe. And it's called Singularity. Do you sometimes want to wake up to the singularity we once were? 
so compact, nobody needed a bed or food or money. Nobody hiding in the bath, school bathroom or home alone, pulling open the drawer where the pills are kept. For every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you. Remember? There was no nature, no them. No test to determine if the elephant grieves her calf or if the coral reefs feel pain. Trashed oceans don't speak English or Farsi or French. Would that we could wake up to what we were when we were ocean. And before that, to when sky was earth. An animal was energy and rock was liquid, and stars were space, and space was not. At all. Nothing. Before we came to believe humans were so important, before this awful loneliness, Can molecules recall it? What once was? Before anything happened? No, I, no, we, no one. No was no verb, no noun, only a tiny dot brimming with is, is is, is, is. All, everything. Mm -hmm.